Coming up on episode 74 of In the Front Row, we talk to a renaissance man. It's Eddie George. George, a 1995 Heisman Trophy winner, tells us about his journey from Philadelphia to Fort Union Military Academy, made his way to Ohio State where he won the 1995 Heisman Trophy, eventually drafted by the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans and had a nine-year NFL career. He tells us about his journey, which post-playing includes acting and now coaching at Tennessee State, where he's the head coach at the HBCU in the state of Tennessee. Our guest in episode 74, the Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George. Eddie, first of all, man, I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to join us. I know you're a busy man now that you're a head football coach, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But we always love to, to start the beginning with our guests. And for you, it started in Philadelphia, uh, growing up there. Tell us about you know sports in Philadelphia for you. What were you playing? How big were sports and athletics in your life? Uh, sports was a, a big, a big part of my life um, growing up in the Philadelphia area. Um, uh, I grew up in Philly, but also grew up mainly in the Abington, the North Hills area. I went to Abington High School during my high school years. Um, and uh, sports was was everything. Whether I either I was playing football, basketball, running track, um, you know, tried um, roller hockey at some point in time, lacrosse. So it was a really big thing to uh, be in athletics and play all different sports, baseball um, also uh, growing up because Philadelphia uh, is, a, is a big sports town mm -hmm. and they support all every single team and they're passionate about every single sport, uh, whether it was the Flyers, the Phillies, the Sixers, the Eagles. Um, we even had uh, the Philadelphia Stars, the USFL, okay. you know, very passionate about any Philadelphia sport, lacrosse, anything. It was, it was, it was, it was like that. So, but for me, you know, football was, was my passion. Uh, my father uh, introduced me to the game. He used to take me to all of the little league games growing up, whether it was the Upper Dublin Cardinals, uh, Abington Raiders. My wife is filming right now. <laughs> Instagram and media. Um, and it was, uh, uh, that's how we connected, you know, how, how he talked about all the great players of his time, you know, OJ Simpson or Billy Sims or, um, uh, Earl, Earl Campbell, Jim Brown, all the great running backs. And, uh, he played fullback and that's how I got introduced to the game. And I, I wanted to be just like him everywhere. If you looked at any one of my childhood pictures, you'll see, I have a football in my hand. Uh, everywhere I went, I was trying to strike up a game, you know, one-on-one -on -one football or uh, get the kids, galvanize the kids in the neighborhood to play so I can try to run all over them. So it was always something uh, in my blood um, that I guess goes back to my grandfather because he loved the game too. Did you have a guy? Who, who was your guy being a Philly sports fan? What, did you have a, a running back you maybe emulated or, or you looked up to? Oh, man. Um, growing up, uh, Paul Palmer. Um, he went to University of Temple. He was the, the dude yeah. uh, growing up uh, in Philly. We used to, used to follow, I used to follow Penn State big time. So I was like DJ Dozier, Blair Thomas, um, Richie, uh, um, Richie Anderson, um, you know, um, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Wilbur Montgomery. Um, you know, that was probably the, the, the most notable running back at that particular time. Um, that was a great one. Uh, 
but I was a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, I love the, the Buddy Ryan 46 defense. Um, the year that we lost to the Raiders and still pains me to this, to this day, pains me to this day to the Oakland Raiders in 1980 because had they won that game, we would have had a parade in Philadelphia and we had no school that whole week. But we had school the whole week, so I hated the Eagles <laughs> after that. Um, but, no, I, I, I just recall um, studying all the great backs. Um, and But certainly I was a big Philadelphia sports fan. So that's why Clyde Simmons, one of our previous guests, is on your staff right now, right? He's your defensive line coach. Yes, yes, Clyde, man. I, I'm probably a bigger fan of Clyde than he realizes. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you know, uh, growing up in the city, he was a part of that great defense, uh, the 1990 Philadelphia Eagles defense. That whole really that 89, 90, 91, 92 mm -hmm. defense was just – they never won a championship, but pound for pound, you can rank them among one of the great defenses of all time. And I'm talking about 85 Bears, 86 Giants, uh, even the, the the Saints' great defense with Pat Swilling and and those boys. Um, they had a, a raid the Ravens of 2001, who I faced, and I also faced Clyde when he was with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, it is an honor to have someone of Clyde's caliber. Of uh, the stature of his his, um, his pedigree on our staff to uh, coach our young men to teach them how to be a professional, how to work, um, how to embrace life, um, and really have is really have got I mean, I've enjoyed gotten to know Clyde um, on on this level, so it's been great. Again, Philly roots deep in you, but you make a decision to go to Fort Union Academy in in Virginia. Oh, time uh, out. Time out. I didn't make that decision. <laughs> My mother made that decision. There's always a smart person that makes those decisions, right? So so what went into that decision to send you then to Fork Union it Military Academy? It wasn't much of a decision, but more or less a, a lifeline for me to get my act together. Um, I was 15 years old. I wasn't doing well in school. I had big dreams, but um, I wasn't going anywhere fast because my grades didn't reflect you know, me doing and my I wasn't I didn't know how to work. Uh, to be honest with you, I was six foot, 168 pounds soaking wet. I wasn't fast. I thought I was good, but I wasn't very good. I, I thought I was tough. I wasn't tough. I wasn't mentally tough. I wasn't I wasn't the player that I thought I was. And when I went to Fork Union, it exposed that. So my mother, you know, pulled me out of Philadelphia area, put me in a different environment um, that could help support the things that I wanted to do. Nothing, nothing was wrong with where I was growing up, but uh, without my mother uh, overseeing me on a consistent basis, because she was a single mother, uh, my father um, had his issues. Um, so it was, it was. I was trying to find my identity, and I was finding it in the wrong places. Um, but with Fork Unions right over my my, my shoulder, the um, body, mind, and spirit—that's the shield. Uh, what it did for me, I mean, it, it changed the trajectory of my life. It changed my lifestyle. I certainly wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about my life, my life story, and the successes and failures if I, if I not gone to Fort Union. So um, my mother sacrificed a lot to get me there. She worked six, seven jobs as a flight attendant, as a model, as a waitress, um, worked at Ford Motor Company for years. Um, worked in worked when worked endless hours just to to make ends meet to, to get me through that. She sacrificed, and um, I, after a while, I began to 
embraced the principles at Fort Union Military Academy. I saw the benefits of, of really buying into um, what they were preaching and doing on a daily basis into the culture of Fort Union. And once I did that, uh, my life became easier. You know, instead of me trying to cut corners, spending all this time trying to, how can I cut corners? How can I not do my homework or not do as much work here or uh, get out of a run or a practice? Once I truly committed and saw the, the fruits of my labor, I wanted more of it. I became more of a student, more. I, I mean, they had to pull me out of the gym. <laughs> I would miss meals at night um, because I wanted to get my last bit of working out in. So I, I, I see two sides of the coin with that, of cutting corners uh, to a grave degree and got me absolutely nowhere to immersing myself and, and really been, immerse myself into the culture of uh, the, the structure of, of the Fork Union and the discipline and um, the body, mind, and spirit mantra that they use um, as a lifestyle, and it, and it really changed my entire life. And it sounds like it, it changed your athletic career as well. Did, did that kind of go hand in hand? Oh, no question. Um, because when I got the Fork Union, um, again, I was, like I said, I was six foot, 168 pounds, and I, I was challenged. Uh, there were guys bigger, stronger, faster than me, uh, smarter than me, had more experience than me. And instead of fighting against that and being bitter behind it, I said, hey, let me empty my cup mm -hmm. and allow them to pour into me. Let me learn from a guy like Lee Green in, in, in terms of what it means to be a student athlete. He was getting recruited by the top schools in the country. Lee Green was six foot three, 225 pounds, ran a four or five in the 40, ran track, was a leader, was a platoon sergeant, everything he wanted, was getting recruited by Notre Dame, UCLA, Michigan, Virginia Tech, Virginia. And I'm like, whoa, I get chills just thinking about it because I'm like, yo, this, that's what I want. I wanna be like that guy. Well-liked in the locker room, a leader, you know, Keith Burton, same thing. You know, it was to those guys were my uh, models of, okay, of success. And once I saw that, um, my life changed. And it, it, you, if you were getting bad grades at Fork Union, you were frowned upon. You know, if you, I mean, if you, you had to be booked. If you got straight A's, if you, you got straight A's, you had high-ranking officer, you were an athlete. That's that was considered like cool. That was the cool thing. You know, the cool thing wasn't, you know, getting demerits and walking tours. It was the direct opposite of that. So once I adhere to that lifestyle, everything else changed in my life. So certainly with those going hand in hand, at some point, college coaches started to come calling. What, what was that process like? Again, as you said, you, you kind of follow Penn State a little bit. You didn't go there, but, but was that part of the picture as well? Well, um, truth be told, my senior year, I was my first year starting. Um, I didn't play my, my junior year. I sat, I rode the pond. I was on JV, actually. And I had such a poor attitude that my the JV coach didn't want me on his team. Hmm. He thought I was selfish. He thought I was a punk. <laughs> you know, uh, I was all about myself. Um, talented, but they said, nah, we, I don't want him on my team. I want, I want him playing for me. Um, but 
I, I changed my attitude and uh, I, I apologized for how I was. I had to be humbled. It was humble pie. So my senior year, um, I, I wind up rushing for um, over a thousand yards, uh, roughly about 13, 1400 yards, 22 touchdowns, led the state in, 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 uh, in scoring. And I had uh, zero scholarship offers. I had a partial scholarship offer to Edinburgh. And there was nothing wrong with Edinburgh. I think it's a wonderful institution. But in my spirit, I felt like there was something bigger for me. Um, so instead of taking that opportunity to go to Edinburgh, I went back to Fort Union um, for my postgraduate year. And everybody was like, are you kidding me? Kevin Plank, who's the CEO of Under Armour, was at Fort Union that year. I remember having this conversation with him in the bar. In the bar. <laughs> He's like, are you absolutely out of your mind? Dude, get out of here. There's no guarantee you're going to go, you know, to get what you want, to go to Ohio State or Maryland or go walk on somewhere. Get get the hell out of here. You are crazy for coming back. Um, but I did. I sacrificed that year because there was no, there was no guarantee I was going to uh, get bigger offers. Uh, but I dedicated that entire summer to my craft. I would, where I worked out with, uh, these guys at the University of Penn, uh, named Sundiata Rush, Mike Turner, uh, the, the, the name a few couple guys, and they kind of took me under their wing. They showed me how to work. I would do um, their workouts, college workouts, and I would try to beat them and dominate them in their own workouts. So knowing that when I go back for my postgraduate year, there's no question that I'll be ready. And I came back, you know, six foot three, grew a couple inches, uh, added on some muscle, about 225 pounds, uh, ran a four or five. And my coach was, was wow, you are a transformed man. I, I came back on a mission. And the first six games, I rushed for over almost 1,300 yards, wow. and 15 touchdowns. And then that's when the ball started rolling. First, it was Louisville. Um, they came knocking on my door, and I was like, oh, my God. Louisville is calling me to, to recruit me. And I, I mean, I'm this tickled pink because a year ago, I had no offers. Yeah. I couldn't even get them to look at my film. So Louisville started calling, and, and Howard Stellenberger is calling me, uh, leaving me messages. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. And then BYU. And I'm like, oh man, you know, that's when it had Jamal Williams, you know, the other six foot three running back back mm -hmm. in the day. You can do your, your research, but they, they tried to sell me on the Twin Towers, you know, because I was six foot three. And and I was like, man, you know, to go and play for um, uh, uh, Lavelle yeah. Edwards, yeah. yeah, Hall of Fame coach out in BYU, and Ty Detmer and all that whole crew. I'm like, I was on cloud nine. And then, you know, Virginia, then Virginia Tech, then Nebraska, then Florida. Uh, and it was just a, a, a crazy time for me. And I, I recall um, just in awe of how one year of dedication and what it could make, you know, could, could change my entire landscape in terms of, you know, not having any options to having a plethora of options for that. Yeah, you took a chance on yourself, and certainly it, it paid off. So at some point, the Ohio State University got in the mix here. What made that the perfect fit for you? Obviously, it was when you look back at it, but but what was going through your mind, and, and, and you thought, okay, this is where I want to go? 
Well, you know how Ohio State came to fruition. Honestly, it, I owe it all to Fourth Union Military Academy. Uh, Danny Osmond, who was my platoon sergeant my first couple of years at Fourth Union, um, graduated um, the same year that I went back to um, my postgraduate year at Fourth Union, and he uh, went to Ohio State as a um, athletic trainer who tapes ankles. Yeah. And um, Danny kept in touch with me, he found out, you know, how I was doing and he was just in all of the season that I was having. And um, and I'm wondering in the back of my mind, I'm like, what do you want? You didn't like me when I was here. In fact, we didn't like each other. You made me wax and buff a hallway by myself, gave me extra chores. You was hard on me. I mean, you made life miserable. And I'm like, well, you know, what's up? What's going on? Why, why are you calling? He says, well, I don't know. I just feel like you're having such a great year. How would you feel about trying to come to Ohio State? He says, hey, man, you know, Robert Smith is not coming. He's not here. They got a couple of backs. I think you can really fit in here. And I said, you know what? I said, I wouldn't mind at all. I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm holding out for Penn State. You know, I'm hoping that they'll give me that, that, that same look. Um, but, you know, let me let me look into it. He says, okay, well, send some tape and, and I'll get it to you. So at the time, they had VHS. We had the package the tape, send it off and, you know, wait two, three weeks. It's not like now we have huddle. You can look at it instantaneously. Um, so I went through that process three or four times because they couldn't believe what they were looking at, I guess. I guess they wanted to see more, you know. And I'm like, I have – I only played in five games that year, you yeah. know, without getting into all the minutia of, of why <laughs> and postgraduate. I only had five games to show what I can do. And um, – they they looked at it and they said, okay, well, we'll come down there for a visit and just to see if, in fact, you fit the size, that all of that. So they came down, looked me over, um, and they said, hey, we want to bring you up for a visit. And I went up to Ohio State, and it was an okay visit. I spent most of my time in uh, somebody's apartment, you know, watching movies the entire trip. And I'm like, well, I need to go see, you know, what the school's all about. I got to go see the girls. I got 48 hours. <laughs> I'm an all boys school. I, I don't I don't want to see this. Don't don't think you're impressing me by showing me discipline. I want to be very undisciplined. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but the last day there, they take all the recruits over to Ohio Stadium. And it was on a, a day where it was gray skies, it was a chilly uh December day or January day, and it was about 40 degrees and the wind is blowing and you can hear the the rhythm of the the, the rope hitting the, the flagpole. Mm -hmm. Is it ding 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 ding? And we go in, we're gathered around and they're flashing our name and number on the screen. Say Eddie George, Forky Military Academy. And I was just looking around. I was like, ooh, this just feels right. I said, it just <laughs> It's big time football. It's it. Woody Hayes coached here. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, Archie Griffin and Keith Byers, Chris Carter. You know all of these great names are just. And I'm feeling like I said this. This feels right. It just feels right. I, I was trusting that inner spirit to guide me, and it just felt right. And um, I, I committed on the spot. And once I did that. Penn State called the next mm. 
<laughs> and they wanted me to come on a visit. And I wanted to wear that the, the all white black shoes and play for Joe Paterno. I went to their football camps when I was at Abington every single year I was there. So I was already sold. I was like, listen, let me just compete to play running back. You got me. You got me. He's like, nah, we want you to play linebacker. You oh, wow. Some running backs. And they had some goodness. They had some dudes. Kajana Carter. Yeah. Mike Archie. Stephen Pitts. They had JT Morris out of Virginia, who was a beast. And all I wanted to do was just go and compete. They were like, no, we're loaded and we're young. And they they had they had talent, so they weren't missing me at all. But I wind up um, uh, committing to Ohio State on the spot, and I just felt like it was the right the right fit for me. You could have been the the next biggest linebacker, a linebacker. You <laughs> instead you or go to Ohio State. Them once I got there, hey, I'm not true linebacker as you think. You might want to fill me on the offensive side of the football. Well, well, it worked out well for you though. Uh, again, did. 92 to 95 at Ohio State. You played for John Cooper. Tell us about 1995. It was your Heisman Trophy season, mm-hmm. All-American season then as well. School record, almost 2,000 rushing yards. How good were you feeling going into that season and, and through that season? And, and did you think that it could end in a Heisman Trophy? Well, I hope that it would. Um, but that wasn't necessarily on, on my on my my list, my priorities. It was, you know, to um, make my teammates better, to – uh, win the Big Ten championship to play for a national championship. And as a byproduct of that, if I'm playing well and doing my job, I would get recognized and be in the conversation of winning a Heisman. I had on my, my goal list, rush for 2,000 yards, rush for 25 touchdowns that year. Yeah. Um, become All-American. I remember it, and I would look at it every day on my mirror. And I felt just shy of it, 1927. Uh, 20, 23 touchdowns, 24, uh, 24 touchdowns had uh, won every major award in college football. Uh, we, we came one game shy of winning the Big Ten championship um, and we finished uh, the season, the top five in the country. So, you know, I damn near accomplished everything that I, I set out to do. And what led up to that was the work that I put in at the end of my junior year my first year was was starting and i had to understand the position as a starter i had to prepare differently um it it requires you to do more than everybody else you can't be the last one in and the first one out you know the last one in is life lifo you can't be lifo last one in first one out that that's not it you got to be the first one in last one out that's philo so you know, it's it's got to be it's got to be that, and that's what I had to do. You know, go in, work twice as hard as everybody else, and see with a clear vision what I wanted to accomplish, and put all my cards on the table. And I just felt that that summer was something different. We were all working together. Um, we would have our own player run practices. Coaches weren't there. You know, we had our own script. We would compete. We would compete hard. With we would we would make sure other guys were showing up. Um, because nothing was more important than playing. If you had anything else to do outside of that, like go to barbecues or go out and party after the workouts, then you weren't you weren't there for the right reasons. You just can't clock in and clock out uh, on that on the coach's time. It's got to be we got to take ownership of this mm-hmm. because 
we saw we, we could have. We saw we had a really talented team, quarterback, uh, running back, receivers, um, uh, you know, linemen, defense. I mean, we looked at the blueprint of Penn State of 94 and was inspired by that. They kicked our ass good in 94 when we went up there and lost 63 to 14. And we said, okay, we're, we're really, what's different from them that we don't have? There was nothing other than they were a team and they bought in. And that's what we had to become, become more selfless, uh, fight for each other, and have a larger purpose. And, we, and that's exactly what we found. Seems like some of the principles that I'm sure you're, you're passing on to your players now as a head coach of Tennessee State. But, you know, you win the Heisman Trophy, a very close race between you and, and Tommy Frazier from Nebraska. What's it like on that stage? You, you hear your name called, and then you've got to give your speech. How, how much did you practice that speech ahead of time, hoping that you would have a chance to give that speech? Um, well, I, I used to practice it when I was 12 years old in the mirror. Um, and uh, just who I would think. And because I was a, a shy by nature in terms of speaking. Um, but I didn't practice. I didn't have anything practiced. I didn't have anything prepared. Um, I thought about it, but I didn't want to, I guess, jinx it. Um, I was just going to trust my heart in terms of they're going to get, you know, a speech that's in the moment, um, that's real, that's authentic. Uh, and it was shocking. You know, when I won, I was like, oh, shit. I, I, just, <laughs> I just won the Heisman Trophy. And I made a beeline over to my mother and I hugged her. And I, I could see the joy in her eyes. And I I just had a, drew a blank because your, my, that was the moment that my life changed. And I said, hey, I'm going to thank who I need to thank. My friends, my family, my teammates, my Certainly, uh, my, my my coaches, um, and I just basically told any kid like, "Hey, you know, if you have a dream, um, hold hold fast to that dream. No matter what detours you may take, it's not a detour; it's just another route for you to get to your ultimate destiny. And it, it's meant to show you something along that detour that's going to prepare you for whatever's next." So when you think that your dream is straight line and it's going to go perfectly A, B, C, D, nah, you're going to go A to Z, back to A again, <laughs> okay? And then maybe go to K, then L, M, N, O, P, then back to A again. And that's your journey, and you have to embrace that. So that's, that's what that taught me, and um, that's what the Heisman was like. It was life-changing. And your journey from there continued on to the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans eventually uh, drafted in 1996, 14 pick overall. What was that moment like? So you go from the Heisman Trophy, that to, to you know, I'm sure dreams coming true, getting picked by an NFL team in the first round. Well, um, yes, it was. I was elated. I was excited. But I was I was more about the work because there were still question marks uh, around me. It was still like the underdog. Well, he won the Heisman, but mm. Heisman Trophy winners, they all tank, and he's too big to be in the running the running back in this league to the last. He, he's two runs up, two upright. He's too tight. He's this, he's that. And that fueled my fire. I said, okay, now I know what I got to do. I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's like that. You know, I just won – the highest award you can win in college football should now be in question in the NFL. So it was, um, it was short lived. That was about business day one. And I wanted to go out and prove 
to people in the league that, hey, I can play at this, this level at a very high level. And um, my focus was to go out there and, and make noise from the start. And what made you so successful? Over 10,000 uh, you know, rushing yards in your nine-year your career, why were you so successful when the doubters said you wouldn't be? Uh, I, one, um, God-given ability. Uh, I've been blessed to play that long without missing a game due to injury. Um, it was uh, my commitment to my craft. Um, there were I had to sacrifice nights that I couldn't go out with the fellas. I had to get my body right. You know, I was always stretching, always lifting, always uh, doing something that I could find as a differentiator from everybody else. Uh, as I was carrying the ball, you know, 30 times in, 30 times out. And that takes a toll on the body. And, and um, I had to approach it differently. So I attributed to my strength, conditioning, my mindset, my spirit, my, my, my uh, coaches, my strength, conditioning coaches. That's Coach Kennedy um, from Ohio State and Steve Watershin, um, who was with the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans. And um, it, it, it took a lot of people to, to help me get ready for game day. I, I can't take all the credit, you know. So there were times when I was in a low state of mind and I wasn't feeling my like myself. I was doubting myself that I, I could get from one Sunday to, to another Sunday. But it was through, you know, watching guys like Bruce Smith, excuse me, Bruce, Bruce Matthews, my teammate, mm-hmm. um, who was the Iron Man, who, who showed up to work hurt, didn't matter. Steve McNair, same thing. And it was uh, because of their tenacity and their willingness to, to sacrifice their body for a larger purpose for each other. It, it made it easy. So, a lot of a lot of factors go into that. Yeah, and I, and I know you know the fact. You're you're just a second guy with over ten thousand rushing yards to never miss a start. The other one is is Jim Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you've gotten a lot of honors and awards, but is that something that you hold up in higher esteem because it's you? And somebody like Jim Brown? Yes. I mean, nobody else can say that. <laughs> you know, nobody else can say that in the history of the sport of NFL football. You know, me and Jim Brown are the only two backs in the history of the game to rush for 10,000 yards without missing a start. And that's not something you can sweep under a rug and be like, oh, uh, anybody can do that. Well, no, they can't. <laughs> you know, there's been one other person to ever do that. And uh, that person is, is the one guy that's held as the greatest of all time, not just running back, but the greatest player of all time in any sport. He's in that category. And um, it's quite an honor to be, to be in the same breath with him. Again, you talk team-wise, you guys go to Super Bowl 34. I know it wasn't the result that you wanted, but what was it like that season, the 99th season, going through that journey and, and getting to the, the biggest stage that the NFL has in the Super Bowl? It was special, um, special group of guys. We struggled together, we struggled to have an identity, struggled for a, for a home, moving from Houston to, to Nashville, struggled to get a fan base, struggled to get uh, excitement generated around the team. And once it all came together with the new uniforms, the name, the stadium, there was a, an excitement in the air that, that we weren't used to having and that we were going to fight to, to keep. And... Um, it all came together uh, for us in 99. We just drafted Javon Curse, who was a freak of nature off the edge. And we said that was the missing piece we needed defensively 
to uh, really be a contender. And it allowed us, you know, offensively just to beat you up in the trenches and wear on you and wear you down and let our our defense eat. You know, one thing you wasn't going to do against our defense, you wasn't going to bully them, you weren't going to run the football against them. <laughs> and uh, we had to see that every day. So it was truly iron sharpens iron every single day. So um, it, once we got that chemistry right, we just reeled off those games and, and we made a Super Bowl run. For you in all nine years, and for some, maybe they say, well, what's next? But for you, there was a lot of what was next for you. Mm -hmm. Acting, you're an entrepreneur, obviously a coach now, but but you know, were you thinking about retirement? And, and, and how did acting get into you know the mix of, of, okay, this is what I'm thinking of post-NFL career? Well, um, it kind of led into, you know, for me, um, wanting to be a really good commentator and a great communicator, storyteller was to get into acting and also to get on the silver screen. That was that was my goal. Um, I, I, I that was found, I found uh, joy in it. It was therapeutic for me at that particular time making this transition to filter a lot of those feelings that I had conjured up about how my career ended with frustration, fear, the doubt, all filtered through a uh, character it was cathartic. And um, it, uh, it taught me a lot about myself in terms of how to listen um, for others. That's the mark of a, of a good actor, his ability or her ability to listen and then to respond, not just to wait for your lines. So it, it, it took me out of my comfort zone in that regard. And um, I enjoyed it. I still do. Uh, uh, but that was preparing me for ultimately what I'm doing now as a head coach. You know, I got my master's in business. I, I started businesses. Um, I have my wealth management business, my Series 7 license, my um, health and life license, 60, all of it. And it's just really understanding the, the principles of business, relationships, um, trying to find um, the right opportunities for clients, you know, uh, operating with a level of integrity um, that you're going to make the best decisions for your clients and the wealth management. Um, and, and, you know, I wanted to help young athletes with their life after the game. That's how I got initially into it. Um, it helped them uh, eliminate and avoid the same mistakes that I made earlier on in my, my career. And to have a mindset of, hey, let's save versus spend. You know, which is tough to do for it to tell a 22 year old that's making millions of dollars. But saying, hey, the back end, you really want to focus on that is that, you know, you want to have enough money to where you can have the freedom to do pick and choose whatever it is you want to do. Not having to go work a nine to five to get back into, you know, um, a good financial situation. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And use football as a as a as a conduit to, to find your purpose. So um, that's what I was doing and I enjoyed it. But when the coaching thing came along, um, it, it, in, in fact, it, it, it prepared me, all of that prepared me to be a, a coach, be, to be a teacher, to be a mentor, to be uh, a storyteller. Um, all of those things that I've done up to this point has helped me prepare for this. And at Tennessee State, was it intentional? to be an HBCU where, where you can have such a great effect and, and, you know, you're seeing, you know, more notoriety and more emphasis putting on HBCUs these days. 
was that intentional to, that that's where you wanted it to be? It wasn't an intention to, to go get a job. Okay. It wasn't to say, okay, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go be a head coach. It was presented to me as an opportunity. And it just so happened to be an HBCU and it led into um, my decision to say, you know, it is an HBCU that could use that this team could use the help, the culture. Um, and um, yes, that was a big part of my decision um, in terms of why I chose to go this route, but it wasn't solely what I was looking for. Like, Hey, if I get into coaching, I'm going to find an HBCU to go do this for. Um, and that wasn't my approach, much like Coach Primes was at the particular time. Um, it, it was it was just I knew about TSU. I lived here in the community for well over 20 years. Um, I have friends that have played for TSU. Uh, I, I know the brand of TSU. Uh, they produced so many great athletes, not just in football, but basketball, track, um, you name it, they, they, they've been able to produce some Hall of Famers. So William, uh, Wilma Rudolph, I mean, they're Olympians. So it's, it's, it's well known that, hey, this is not a hand-me-down university. They just, they're just in a, a place where they just need a little love, some polishing, you know, tweaking, and get it back hopefully to national prominence. So um, I, I looked at it, it was the honor to, to be the head coach for Tennessee State. Heisman Trophy, you, you were inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. You had your jersey jersey retired with the, the Titans as well. Uh, you're in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Is there one honor that, that you hold above others or, or, or that you kind of take a step back, you know, now that that journey a little bit as a player is done and think, wow, that's, that's pretty special? All of it. Honestly, all of it. I mean, to be in any Hall of Fame is great. Um, Ohio State Hall of Fame. Uh, Fork Union Hall of Fame, um, the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, uh, the Tennessee uh, Sports Hall of Fame, um, the Titans Hall of Fame. I mean, it's it's it is it is an honor to be considered that, you know, uh, semifinalist for the NFL Hall of Fame, you know. So it's uh, it really feels good to be recognized. So it's not one thing over the other. I think it's all encompassing to say, man, uh, one decision. Just one decision and, and the willingness to commit and to have the guts to uh, to see this all the way through uh, without knowing the end result that led to a lot of uh, accomplishments. Do you think you would have been the greatest athlete ever at Edinburgh had you gotten there? Would, would you would you have found your, your your path to the NFL from Edinburgh? I, I would have I would have probably found a way. <laughs> I probably would have found a way. Um, and again, you know, who knows what life holds? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I probably probably would have worked my tail off and figured out a way to get recognized and uh, and played for the, the Scots. <laughs> so, but um, I, I felt in my heart that I was being led in a different direction. What was, you know, maybe more nerve-wracking? Your, your Heisman speech, you're getting on stage Broadway Ooh. in a musical Chicago playing Billy Flynn. What, you know, uh, are there any comparisons to that? Listen, listen, uh, no, I listen, the Heisman is one thing. Um, you get a couple passes for, for being in the moment, you know, on stage. Uh, but to do that night after night and have to hit those high notes. Yeah. That's a little nerve wracking. <laughs> Lost my voice the first week I was up there in New York. So it was, 
that was scary. And I was like, I have four more weeks of this. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, an exciting time to go on Broadway to play the role of Billy Flynn in my life. So that was awesome. Truly, as your website says, you are a renaissance man. And and again, get ready for your season coming up. Uh, can't thank you enough for spending a little time with us. How, I'm sure you're on social media. How can people follow you, follow Tennessee yeah. State football this season as you, as you kick off with Notre Dame? Yes, um, you can follow me on EddieGeorge2727 on the Twitter platform as well as Instagram. You can also fo follow uh, Tennessee State football at TSUFB.com. Um, um, FB. Uh, so you can tell them to the dot com there. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still on my age now. So, uh, but uh, that's right. You can follow us. Uh, we opened up against Notre Dame, but that's not the end all be all. We have a very competitive schedule. Uh, we play, you know, three of our top, uh, three of our first five games are against teams that have played in the FCS uh, playoffs, you know, Kennesaw State, um, UT Martin, and uh, Gardner Webb. You know, so we got we got our, our teeth cut out, or our work cut out for us. So we got work to do. I'm excited about it. Uh, the, the one thing that I focused on is to get us um, all in one accord, thinking the same way, uh, operating the same way with positivity, with optimism, with hope, with love, with joy, um, and, and constantly focusing on, you know, on this culture. You know, that's the number one thing. That's my number one job is to refine, refine and reinforce um, who we are, what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and staying consistent, persistent through that. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of work cut out for us. <laughs> but I can see Fork Union is kind of your driving force, right? That's a discipline, it seems like, uh, that, that you you lean on as a coach, it seems like. Well, that's that's all I know. That shield back there, body, <laughs> mind, and spirit, when you – I've lived it. It's my lifestyle, and I still live it to this day, and I've seen the benefits behind it. And Again, you know, not everybody is going to um, be aligned with that or is not going to resonate with everybody. And that's OK. It's just not the bus you need to be on. And um, that's for coach. That's for player. That's for any staff member. Um, it may not be for you, our, our way of doing things. And um, it's and, and then that's OK. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine for that. I'm, I'm the thing I can't tolerate is people that's going to uh, go against that complain, talk behind your back, you know, not be man or woman enough to really speak your mind and, 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 and be an asset to what we're trying to do. Those people are liabilities. They're vampire, uh, they're, they're energy vampires. And there's no place for that on this bus. Well, you and Clyde Simmons on that bus, uh, I'm sure you're in good hands for, for both of you guys, the rest of your staff as well. But uh, again, we wish you guys the best of luck and, and certainly we'll be following your your progress this season, and hopefully it, it, it turns into a playoff appearance later on the season as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time, Mike. Well, another great guest, great story there from Eddie George. And our thanks to Katrina Chambers with the Tennessee State Communications Department for arranging that sit-down. And we thank you for watching and listening to today's episode and invite you to subscribe, to like, and to share our YouTube channel and our other streaming platforms as well. For JR Quitman, our creator, producer, and director, I'm Mike Vaccaro. We'll see you next time for another episode of In the Front Row with Mike Vaccaro. Have a great day, everybody.